Does the world really need another podcast? There are over 5 million podcasts available globally with 70 million episodes that you can catch in 150 languages. So why go to the trouble of adding yet another? In Luke chapter 5, when Jesus finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. So if one heart can be touched, if one mind can be renewed, and if just one life could be transformed, then I think it's worth it. This is one more cast. Several weeks ago, we started this series of time management, and there were really three parts to it. There was put your dream to the test, and that was the John Maxwell book, and there were like 10 questions that you asked to figure out, you know, are you living up to your dream, and are you doing what you should be doing in life, what you're gifted to, what you're called to. And we just had Brother Foley's funeral just the other day, and several people got up and talked about all the many gifts that he had, and he was what's called a polymath. And it just basically means you're excellent at a lot of different things. Some people are blessed that way, and you know, it was made reference several times that Brother Foley was a five-talent guy. You know, the parable of the one talent, and, and, and he had five talents, and he did a lot with his, his five. And whether you have five or one or 0.5 of one or a cut finger or whatever you have, it's, it's really, like life is really short. And that's why time management. And the kingdom of God is really important, and, and that's why time management. Whether it's a five-talent season for you or it's a one-talent, you know, when you're raising families and you're just kind of young marrieds, and we, we were doing a Bible study last night with a, a couple, and they were, they'd be considered young marrieds, but they've been married for 10 years. And so that's a long time. I don't know if they were married when they were 12 or if they're from Arkansas or what the deal was, but, <laughs> but it was, you know, there's different seasons that we all go through. Anybody here from Arkansas that I just dog somebody's in-laws or something? So, so different seasons that we go through, and no matter what season we're in, it really is all about the kingdom of God. It's about the people of God. It's about the church. And not so much church in the sense of just work, 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 work. But it's because the church gives so much to us. And we want to be able to make time in our lives for the Lord, for growth, and, and for the church. So this whole idea of time management can be sort of, it can be taken the wrong way. But so can the idea of, you know, listening to the Spirit of God and waiting for the Lord to like put handwriting on the wall before we do something with our lives. So there's like both ends of that spectrum, right? And I've tried really hard to kind of find the middle. I, I always want to be sensitive to the Lord. If the Lord's guiding me in the moment, I want to be sensitive in the moment. If He's guiding me for big things, obviously, I want to listen to what He has for my life rather than my own plans. I, I don't want us to ever think that, that planning is of the devil or that planning is not spiritual, I would argue that it's one of the most spiritual things that you can do. It's, it's got to be done in the Spirit. You've, you've got to have godly authorities and guidelines, and you've got to be doing it all for the right reasons. But planning is one of the most spiritual things that you can do. So in Genesis chapter 14, I always pronounce this guy's name probably wrong, but it's the way I remember it because I think I first heard his name when I was seven. 
Verse 9 says, uh, Chedorlaomer, the king of Elam, with title king of nations, and Amphrael, the king of Shinar, and Arioch of Eleazar, four kings with five. So it was five kings that basically came up and kidnapped Lot. And uh, they were at the Vale of Sidon. It was full of slime pits. And the king of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there. And they that remained fled to the mountain. They took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. And they took Lot. So they took Abram's nephew Lot. They kidnapped him, basically. But they, they kidnapped Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods. And then they departed. In verse 13, and there came one that escaped and told Abram, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, the brother of Eshol, and the brother of Aner. And these were confederate with Abram. So he had some friends and he had some relationships. And then this verse 14 really stuck out to me. It says, when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants that were born in his house. 318, and he pursued them unto Dan. I'm not going to read the whole story, but you don't have 318 armed servants born in your house ready to go full Navy SEAL at the drop of a hat without some planning, <laughs> right? What's been one of the biggest criticisms of Israel during this recent attack? That they were underprepared. I mean, you're not wrong. That's the most sensitive part of it. But the biggest criticism, you know, Israel is supposed to be one of the, you know, they've done so well at protecting themselves for so long, but they were caught unprepared. That's been a major criticism in the news. So what does that mean? We don't want to get caught unprepared. We want to, we want to make sure that we're doing the right things. So think about this. David got the blueprints for the temple from God. Blueprints are plans. And he gave them to Solomon in 1 Chronicles chapter 28. When God told Moses how to build the tabernacle all the way down to the badger skin and the rings that would hang around the poles, it was a plan. How many remember the story of this guy named Noah built an ark made of what? You think those gopher wood trees like popped up out of the sand all of a sudden when God says, hey, I want you to build an ark? My point is this, when the fullness of time is come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, 23 chromosomes together with Mary's 23 chromosomes, gestational period, baby is born, baby is raised, it's planning, it's all built towards... Here's a, here's a plan for you. Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. There's kind of been this plan in your life, right? The idea is you don't want a plan that comes from my brain. You don't want a plan that comes from your brain. You want a plan that comes from the principles that are given to us from the Word of God. That's really what you want, okay? So we're trying to marry these, these two ideas of structure, framework, planning with anointing, spiritual guidance. Put those things together. Now you've got a temple. Now you've got an ark. Now you've got a plan of salvation. You see what I'm saying? What I'd like to do tonight is really just have kind of a, if I could just maybe have a little help in passing these things out. Could you help me there, Brother Norman? <clears throat> There's just three pages here, and, and we're going to cover, I think, probably just number one and number two tonight, and then we might reference uh, the second page, and then the third page we'll, we'll do next week. There will only be two sessions on this part. This is Michael Hyatt's uh, idea around the full focus mindset. 
So this is a, a Michael Hyatt planner. Anybody ever see a Michael Hyatt planner? It's a great tool. I've had this one for about five years and because my life has been so digital, I haven't used this every single day, but I'm gonna start using it again November the 1st. I've ingrained these principles into my normal practices, but it might not be a bad idea if it's, if it's something that uh, maybe you wanna invest in. It's about 40 bucks to get a quarter's worth meaning three months, it's a three month planner. The idea is you use four of these every year. I would use this to set my goals and, and go through the process of creating a morning ritual and an evening ritual and getting the big three done each day. And then I put this back on the shelf because I didn't wanna buy four a year. <laughs> so I use the framework, but I'm very, very frugal. So if you'd like to take a look at this, I, I told my girls we were just away overseas for a, a little while and I said what I want you to do when we get back is I want you each to buy a Michael Hyatt planner and I want you to use it every single day for three months you don't ever have to use it again but I want you as you know young adults I want you to get used to thinking like this and that's really the idea behind it it's really a, a mindset it's a process it's a practice you don't ever really fully come to fruition in your time management. You will go to your grave thinking, man, I wish I'd have done a few things different. That's going to happen. But the idea is to sort of, sort of how a dentist will practice, a doctor will practice. I don't really want a brain surgeon practicing on me, but the idea is the science is ever evolving and ever changing and you're ever learning. And so it's the same thing with time management. Up on this uh, screen and then you have there in your front pages, and we'll just be summarizing just the high points of the book. The first thing you want to think about when you're, when you're trying to get your time management game leveled up is you want to stop doing stuff. You, don't, you just want to like stop for a minute because there's like zero correlation for how long you've been doing something and how good you are at it, right? How many times have you heard somebody say, I've been doing this 20 years, bro. I'm like, yeah, you've been doing it wrong for 20 years. You've been doing it so wrong, you can consistently still do it wrong. Like you've created wrong muscle memory. Now that may not always be the case with you with everything, but it's like practice doesn't make per perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. So what I had to learn, and I'm still every single day I'm learning, I need to stop the chaos in my life and get things under control. So the very first step, if you wanna get things under control and you wanna start managing your time, it's not necessarily like getting up a little earlier will be part of it later. Staying up maybe 15, 20 minutes later will be part of it later. But just because you're working more hours on a thing does not make you more productive or more effective. You actually will lose quality of work, quality of creativity. Michael Hyatt has a great Instagram page and I saw a reel today. I was you know, just going back and freshening up on things. He said, hey, if I go into a company as a consultant and I find out that there's a person that's working 60 hours a week, he's like, there's a problem with that. Because unless they're, if they're salaried, then maybe they're not costing the company money, but your job should not take you 60 hours a week. Now, if you're working overtime and you're getting paid for every single hour, there's value in that for you and for your family and for your life. But the idea is, let's just be honest, like you don't have to give me any examples, but how much time do you actually waste? <laughs> uh, quite a bit. We do waste quite a bit. Now, 
Let me split the difference on that. Sometimes wasting time, as Barney Fife would say, is therapeutic. <laughs> Sometimes doing nothing is actually good for you. But you need to put that in your schedule. Plenishment and rest. So the very first thing you want to do is stop. And then we'll talk a little bit about that tonight. The next thing you want to do is cut. You need to cut and eliminate a lot of things in your life. So I took this role a few years ago. It was at HB Fuller, and we were the, we were the largest adhesive company in the world, and I, I ran the flooring division. And the first week that I was there, it was nobody's fault. Like, it was not a single person that was to blame. But I saw a lot of different processes that were happening that probably didn't need to happen, and people were doing it very diligently. Like, they were, they thought it was the right thing to do. Man, they were blood, sweat, and tears. Like, they were all in. But the very first thing I said in a, in a public meeting, I said, look, I just want to give everybody permission in this place. And you don't even have to ask me, and you don't even have to ask your manager. You no longer have to do stupid things. Like, just don't do stupid things. If you think it's stupid, I probably do too. Any self-respecting, like, common sense person is probably going to think it's stupid too. Because stupid things don't bring good results usually. But there's some, there was an old story. I used to work with this guy. His name, uh, his name is escaping me right now, but he was Lebanese. And he told this story about how back in the day there was this story in Lebanon. It's probably even like Mandela Effect or Urban Legend. I don't even know if it's true. But there was this soldier that would go to the town green and stand in the middle of the grass like every day for eight hours. And every day he would just get up and go and just stand there in the sun. It was his job. That was his order. That was what he was supposed to do. Finally, one day a general comes along and says, hey, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, it's just what we do. We just come here and we, we guard the grass, I guess. Well, come to find out, two or three hundred years prior, there was some agreement or treaty or handshake deal made under an old tree that was there on that grass. And it was a special tree. It was a special historical site. And so they didn't want anybody to take the bark or make a souvenir out of it. So they put a soldier there 24-7. Well, the tree died like 100 years ago. And they dug up the stump and it was gone, but nobody ever changed the orders. The point is, there are probably things in our lives that we do that are not managing our time well. And I don't know what that is. You have to just be really brutally honest with yourself, but probably there are things. So you're going to want to cut some stuff out. And then you're going to want to make some actions. The idea is, and, and every time management guru that I've ever seen, read, met, talked to, will say this, and this is probably something that you might want to write down. You want to do 10 times more of what you're really good at and gifted at. And you want to try to do zero of what you're not gifted at. Because there's a thing called the law of diminishing return. And what that means is, like, I can do numbers pretty quick in my head. I understand numbers, but I'm not an accountant. I married one, okay? So I'm not an accountant. But, Brother Vince, I could go to class and learn how to probably do the job. But there's going to come a time when no matter how much more effort I put into getting good at accounting, it's not going to get any better. It's just going to cap, right? And so what I need to do is either go right up to my ceiling of accounting and then go somewhere else or delegate my accounting. I need to do what I'm really, really good at and 10 times more of it. It's hard 
because there are some times you have to do a little bit of what you're not because it's just part of your role. But it's a, remember, it's a mindset. It's, it's a practice. It's something that you're pushing towards. Try as best you can to not do things that you're not good at. We'll talk about how you can still get those things done because they still need to be done a lot of times. Okay, so let's, let's talk about stop. So, so true time management really starts with knowing what it is you want to do. And lots of people don't know what they want to do. It's just normal. If, if, if you don't know really, really, really with clarity what you want to do, you're in really good company. Lots of people don't. But you got to know exactly what it is that you want to do. And sometimes it's really hard to make that decision because we failed so many times and we've been criticized so many times and we have all these obstacles in our way. So it's super hard. Or you just don't feel like you're gifted or you're cut out to do what it is that you really want to do. So it's hard to do. I do get that. But by stopping the chaos, stopping the river of never-ending things that you're, you're never going to get done, you're, you feel like, I'm, I'm going to work hard and get all these things done, you're never going to have everything done. So the idea is you just want to focus in on the things that are most important. So I want you to take just a couple of seconds, and, and we're going to try to move super fast. I know I can be long-winded. You can do this as an individual or you can do it as a couple, but I want you to just pick one thing. It, it, it's, sometimes these are very sensitive, so you might not even want to verbalize it to your spouse at this moment. Pick one thing that you know as a couple or as an individual that you really want to do. Don't be afraid, like BHAG it, like big, hairy, audacious goal. Oh yeah, yeah, just take a couple seconds and write down very clearly what it is you want to do or what it is you want to accomplish. If anybody has theirs down already, is anybody willing to share something that they want to do? Be gays. Let's let the be gays go. You want to move to Ireland? Nice. That's that's really cool. Yeah. Well, whatever it is that you're writing down, you know, keep that in front of you because we're going to do a tiny little exercise and think about this. That's really cool. Sonia and I lived in Scotland for a little while, and it's, it's a pretty cool experience. Anybody else? Now, now the next one's going to have to be you want to be an astronaut to be like living in Ireland. So you guys said you wanted to share. You don't have to, but you're welcome to. Build our dream house in the country. Ooh, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great goal. Great dream. Man, so many, so many great reasons for that. That's really cool. Okay. Let's evaluate. On that next page, you've got that little circle thing. You've got this freedom compass. This will take a little bit of uh, interpretation. This will take a little bit of thought. So what this freedom compass is really all about there's a, there's a desire zone of activities that we're doing where we can be proficient and passionate about the goal that we're, that we're striving to, to reach. There's a disinterest zone, things that we're probably doing that we might be proficient at it, but we're just not that good at it. But again, think about this in terms of your goal or whatever it is that you have the aspiration for. There's the distraction zone. So there are things that are in our lives that would fall into the distraction zone You've got to be brutally honest with yourself, okay? I could make a list of a 
about 10 things that I do that I know distract me from, it's because I'm just an idiot. And, and it's a practice, <laughs> right? And then there's the drudgery zone. Things that are in your life that, my goodness, it's just like, not only is it not getting me towards my goal, but it's just, I just, like, can we just eliminate this? The idea is to find out the things that are in your life and where they go in this particular little compass. In terms of moving to Ireland, in terms of building your dream house out where the Waltons live, what are the things that you're both proficient and passionate about that will get you towards your desire zone? So, so think about some of those things and just write them down on your little chart. What are the activities that you can be proficient and passionate about that would move you toward your goal? Not the things that you hate, the things that you really enjoy doing. There's a reason why, why this is important. Okay, for the sake of time, let's keep moving a little bit. Here's why the desire zone is so important. Think about what you would be able to do. So we talked about working 60 hours, right? Nobody really just wakes up in the morning like, oh, I hope I get to work 12 hours straight today. Except for BK, maybe. Do you? Okay. If you love what you Yeah, if you love what you do, fine. But most people that are normal that aren't gonna move to Ireland. <laughs> there are things that we can do that we're super passionate about and we're very proficient at it. What if that's all you had to do? Wouldn't that just, doesn't that just electrify you even thinking about it? Okay, so let me just ask you this quick question and, and if somebody can volunteer some, you know, just some transparency, that'd be awesome. What in the world is stopping you? I'll tell you what stops me. Because I'm nervous, I'm risk averse, and I'm a big baby. Fear. Yeah. Let's just be honest. If, if you didn't have fear, if you weren't risk averse, and if you weren't a big baby, what would it look like? Look, I, I'm not preaching at you. I have things that I'd like to do, but I'm too much of a sissy. I'm just being dead honest, right? And it's crazy because I've, I feel like I've accomplished some pretty cool things in my life and I've gotten past this. But then once I get past that threshold, I fall into Laodicea, right? Oh, it's comfortable. It's super comfortable here. What would you do? Like you're passionate about it and you're really good about it. If you could just do that all the time, what would that be? Yes, what would you do? For I work for a finance company as a financial advisor. Now... Let me ask you a question. And there, there could be good reasons for this. There could be reasons that are lame. It could be timing too. So I know when we're doing raising families, believe me, we've raised, you know, a couple of girls. Why aren't you, why aren't you moving towards that? Or are you, or like, why not now? I guess is the question. Because of our daughter. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's cool. Like you have to choose and you've made that choice. So that's intentional completely I want you to feel good about that Absolutely. what this is a this is for affirmation 
but it's also for encouragement and nudging. Like some of us, me included, will have things that we're just, we're not doing because we're just kind of acting like losers. Maybe not everything in our life, but this one little thing, it's like, man, it would be nice if, well, why not? I guess. I just want to challenge and champion. I want to be your encourager. What's yours? What's mine? If money was no option, if, <laughs> and, and it's embarrassing. Okay, but yeah, but that's, right? I know, I know. <laughs> Valid. Okay, I'll be very transparent. You know what I would love to do? I've wanted to do this since I was five years old. What I would do if someone said, hey, I'll, I'll pay you what you make now to go do this. I'd be a talk show host, radio talk show host, and I had a three-hour show every day. I mean, I do have a little podcast. My, my mom has cassette tapes of me as like an eight-year-old kid doing my own radio show. It's garbage. <laughs> I, would, I would fall asleep at night. We had this little red AM radio, battery powered. I would fall asleep at night listening to whatever talk radio show I could, lift, I could find. And it was different depending on stormy nights. And, but that's, that's just, it's me being very, very transparent. If I could just talk for a living. I <laughs> know. Uh, it's so distraction zone. You know one thing that's distracting me from doing that? Mortgage. <laughs> right? Milk. <laughs> or oat milk in our case with Jayla. Did you say chocolate milk? There are reasons. So, so take, take about 45 or so seconds. I'm not saying that you have to write things down that you can get rid of, but just legitimately write down the things that might be distracting you from, from having most of your activities in this part. That's ultimately what we're driving towards. The reason we do this is because there is one God and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ and he's coming soon and he's called us to a ministry both to the world and to the body of Christ and to our families. That's why we do this. But for me, this has helped us, the Mac family. We don't always do it right, but without this, I think we probably would have been very disappointed and let down in ourselves. I just want you to know why we're doing this. This is not about money per se, but Lord knows mortgage. Okay, so take, take that 30 seconds I just hogged from you because I do a three-hour podcast a day, remember? <laughs> Jot down in bullet form things that distract you from doing the passionate and the proficient. Okay, disinterest, disinterest. Things that you do in your life, and I'm not talking about you know mowing the grass or doing the things that just need to be done, but, but are there things, and maybe, maybe there are fewer of these, I don't know, in your life, things that you're doing whether someone told you to, or you decided to, or for whatever reason, are there things that you're doing that you're just absolutely disinterested? You could be good at it, but yet you're disinterested in it. And again, please don't think of like the conclusion of the matter. I'm not saying you have to have a solution along with it, just a thing, whatever it is that you might be disinterested in. And this is all about you know, evaluating where we are and what we're doing 
the drudgery zone, which is worse than disinterest. And maybe my social interaction goes there as opposed to the disinterest. What are you doing that's a drudgery? We've got about seven minutes. I really want to get through this second piece. So let me ask you this. Do you think this is a worthwhile exercise? I geek out over it. I don't want to like push my interest off on you guys, but I feel like, man, I wish I'd had this sooner. That's all I'm saying. I wish I'd had it sooner in my life. And I wish I had somebody to give me permission to not do stupid things and to say no to stuff. And okay. So what we basically did was we did the formulate, like what you want to do. We did the evaluate, like what you're doing now and all that. What I want to just talk on briefly for just a second, and I want you to make, again, this is a good little workshoppy thing, rejuvenation, okay? You have to plan rest. Sometimes rest just sneaks up on you. Sometimes it's 11 o'clock at night before you know it, and it's like, okay, I guess the next step is go to bed. It's just kind of how it is. With Michael Hyatt's Full Focus Planner, you'll notice that, that he has a morning routine and a night routine. And um, I'm not saying that you have to do it meticulously exactly like he says. It's helped me. It, it's helped me to sort of wind down. And whatever your routine is, I mean, this is my personal morning routine. And do I do it every single day, Brother Chris? Close, but not quite, okay? It's a two-hour routine. Read the Bible for 15. Pray slash meditate, which ends up being more meditate, for 15. And it doesn't have to be like timer, but you know, quarter hour-ish. Journal with this concept, F-B-R. Fast, bad, wrong. R for wrong. It's a play on words too. Get it? What this means is this. Don't journal like you're trying to write the first draft of a Charles Dickens novel. Just throw it down like bullet point, sloppy, don't worry about penmanship. Don't worry about grammar, but just write stuff down. There's a million reasons I could do an hour on why you should do this, but just journal. Fast, bad, wrong. Just write it. Just get it out. Rough draft. Don't edit it. Don't think about it too much. Don't be like, I'm going to be embarrassed if I read this later. Don't worry about that. Okay. And then exercise for 30 and then get dressed and shower and basically be ready for my day in 30. That's a two hour process. Morning startup. That's the rejuvenation part. I'm not saying you have to do what I do, but do something the same every day to get your motor turning. The days that I fall out of bed and I'm like checking email before my coffee is done, I can do it. It's not healthy. Okay. The shutdown, it's super easy at the end of the day. I'm going to organize my desk or my workspace if I happen to be working on the kitchen or in my actual desk for five minutes. It might take some, it might take Brother Wright an hour, the way Brooke looked at him just now. <laughs> or it could have been her looking at him like, don't you say a word. I don't know. <laughs> take, a, take a five or seven or whatever and just straighten things up. Get it clean, get it organized, and review your task list that you're not going to do any more this evening because you're working with the kids or you're going to church or you're doing whatever and use the ABCDE method in terms of prioritizing that task list. A's have to be done in 24 hours. B's would be nice. If you get the A's done, you can go to the B's. C's are you can procrastinate without any penalty. D is delegate. E is eliminate. Okay. That's the shutdown. 
and then the evening right before you go to bed. And these things can all happen close together, far together, doesn't matter, but you're trying to develop this rejuvenate thing because we've already decided where we want to go, what we want to do. We've already used that compass to find out what it is we're really passionate about, what are the things we really hate. And now we're going to live 24 hours a day, every day until the day we die, working to get those things done. And now you're just trying to make sure that you're healthy on Monday, healthy on Tuesday. Here's our shutdown. I'll read 30 minutes. A fun book. Like an idiot book. Like just not necessarily technical, but sometimes the technical will be fun for me. But it's not going to be a work. It's going to be, it's going to be something that I'm really jazzed about. For 30 minutes. If it's not 30 minutes, who cares? If it's seven and then you're drooling on page seven, like whatever, just have some, something, magazine, book, something that's fun, that just lightens you up. And then Sonia and I pray for five to 10 minutes together. And it's not like because of the times revival prayer. <laughs> it's just like, we're praying for like Israel. We're praying for our church. We're praying for, and sometimes we fall asleep praying. I'm 48. You have kids. <laughs> it's like the equivalent. That's the rejuvenate part. And one last thing, and this is where I want you to do a little bit of a workshoppy thing for like two minutes, and then we're going to stop for tonight because we covered a lot of territory in a, lot, in a short period of time. I'd like for you to, you don't have to decide, but brainstorm some ideas to choose from later. What you can do as a couple, as a family, as a unit, to rejuvenate that's not sleep. What I'd like for you to think about is, hey, maybe you can or can't go on like a two-week vacation, but maybe you can take a long weekend. How many long weekends would you like to have during a year? <laughs> valid, valid. I mean, honestly, it's probably not reality, but, but here's the deal. Why isn't that a reality? If that's what you want, Yeah. Yeah. So you just jot down. I want you to jot down three things. Just jot down three ideas that are like sort of vacation-y that will get you away from the rat race, get you away from the formulate and evaluate, from the work of, you know, putting one step in front of the other. You don't have to decide or book the trip tonight. Is it travel? Is it, is it just do a staycation? It's 801. Would anyone like to share with us any of their options? <laughs> I will. We go on evening walks. There you go. That's good. That's really good. It's free, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we do bike rides around the school right next to us all the time. And it's like we could get in our car and go downtown, but it's like 20 minute drive and gas and good. Anybody else? Yeah, brother. Hey, <laughs> hey, listen, if you had to live with him, you'd be like, hey, go play nine holes. Okay, that's her rejuvenation right there. Make it 18. Make it 18, she says. <laughs> funny, super funny. That's good. Anybody else? Anybody got anything? It doesn't have to be good. You could help somebody just by being practical. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, honest to goodness. 
10 o'clock snack, yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's like, it's, you're going to eat something anyway. It's like, a, it's like you time. It's what, now, what do you like to eat? What would you, like, if you had to make a list right now of three things that... <laughs> Ooh. I was hoping you'd say Oreos. Okay. That's good. Anybody else? Something you want to share for rejuvenation? That's good. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's rejuvenating for you. Who else is going to say something? Date night. Yeah. Do you guys do it every week? Okay. Okay, I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. Yeah, you probably should do it more often. We should too, by the way. I'm not criticizing. Yeah, I know. It's super tough. Yeah. Our, uh, we kind of do date night. Mostly if there's like a little bit of stress when you have a bad day. Yeah. Uh, but it's usually always Buffalo Wild Wings and Goodwill. <laughs> hey. Honestly, Sonia and I used to go to Walmart. Yeah, it's like the real life. Like we used to go to Walmart all the time. Anybody else? Anybody else have one? Anybody else have one to share? Okay, the idea is this. We want to be focused. We want to be driven. We want to be present. We want to work hard at achieving our dreams. But we want that to be sustainable. It does nobody any good if you burn out in 36 months. You, you will talk about like health later, but you know, your kids need you to be at their graduation.